Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back again today with all of our listeners. And how blessed we are to be able to do this each day, to open up God's Word and study together a little bit further into those rich teachings and truths and try to learn a little bit more of how God wants us to, or wants to bless us and how he wants us to be with him in heaven for all of eternity. Try to learn a little bit more of his will for our lives to live the best life that a human being can live on this earth. We are so blessed to have the Bible. As I've said many times in many countries around the world, this reality does not exist to the extent that we enjoy it commonly here. For one reason or another, people just don't have Bibles on a widespread basis and how they would love to have one. We have them, ready access. Probably most of us have more than one in our possession. And how sad it is that so many people who own a Bible or two or three seldom open it up and read from it at all. That's sad. That's unfortunate. We need to get into God's Word. Here in Search the Scriptures, we strive to help you do exactly that, to get into God's Word, to study it more deeply, and thereby grow stronger in your faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. And as your faith grows stronger, you should be coming closer to God. And our prayer is that you will make up your mind to come to God all the way, His way, through Jesus Christ, His Son and your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Jesus, and surrendering to Him in baptism, so the blood that He shed on the cross can cleanse you from the guilt of your sins, and you can experience that rebirth spiritually. You can know that you have been made new from a spiritual perspective, having been forgiven of your sins and have be become a new creation spiritually. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Our prayers are with you and our prayers really are for you and we really do pray for you. We encourage you to go to our website. We encourage you to tell all of your friends about the program and encourage them to listen, to search the scriptures. But we know that many people cannot always listen at the right times when the program is being broadcast, even though it's being broadcast several times a day. But you know, anybody can listen whenever they have the opportunity through our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. They can click on the listen button and they can download these programs, access them and listen to them anytime. Or, and this is even better, they can scroll down our home page, click on the podcast button, and in about one minute, sign up for our podcasting. Now that's all free, all free, always will be free. And in doing that, they can have all of our sermons, all of our Bible classes, all of our daily Bible classes called Today's Bible Class, a short 12-minute study each day, and all of these radio programs. 
go automatically to their device, whichever one they choose, their smartphone, their computer, their laptop, their pad, their tablet, whatever, smart, whatever device they choose, all of that will go on a daily basis to their device. And it's all free. And they can listen whenever they have the opportunity. So encourage people. Go to our website, churchofchrist.com. Share with everybody you can. Now, we're going to get back into this particular section of our study on God's grace. This has been a very deep study, very rich study. And again, we've looked at it from already a number of different perspectives, trying to come to a better, a fuller understanding of God's grace. The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we've emphasized that we cannot save ourselves. We are totally dependent upon God's grace for salvation. At the same time, God expects obedience from us. When he offers his salvation by grace, his forgiveness, his redemption through Jesus Christ, he expects us to come to him his way in faithful obedience. Remember that the Hebrews writer said in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9, though he, that is Christ or Jesus, was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the author or source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So obedience is absolutely essential as our response to God's offer of salvation by his grace. But now, when we respond to him in obedience, it is God who saves us. That's totally by his grace. We don't save ourselves. Some people try to portray the understanding that simply by suggesting that we are supposed to be obedient, that somehow that means we're saving ourselves. Uh-uh, that's not what it says. God expects us to come to him in obedience, and he saves us. And that salvation is totally by God through his grace. Now, we've been focusing on John chapter 1 and verse 17, where we have read and we've looked at this particular passage of scripture a number of times in this overall study on God's grace. And John the apostle wrote in this gospel account, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, we've already established in detail and in depth that the law that was referred to there was the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses. In fact, that's what John, how John identifies it. The law was given through Moses. And then he goes on and says, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So we're not talking about God's law for man in general because God has always established spiritual law for mankind. We've talked about that going all the way back to the garden when he commanded the man and the woman 
Do not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. That was spiritual law. We saw in Genesis chapter 3 when they broke that law, when they disobeyed God's commandment, that was sin, and God held them accountable and judged them for it and punished them for it. And from that moment forward, mankind needed a savior because now sin was in the world and man had become guilty of sin. All right, so the law was referring in John 1.17, that was a specific reference to the Old Testament law of Moses for the Israelites. But spiritual law has always existed. Now some want to say that that tells us in John 1 and verse 17 that Jesus brought to an end spiritual law because he brought grace and truth. Well, we began looking at this from a logical and analytical perspective last time. So we ask the question, in Old Testament times, was there no grace? Did God not exhibit any grace in the Old Testament period of time? If Jesus brought grace and truth and that was, was new to the scene of humanity, and thereby bringing grace and truth, he brought an end to spiritual law from God. Well, was there no grace in the Old Testament? You see, Christ did not bring something new in terms of God's grace. God's grace has always been here and showered upon humanity. Just think of all the blessings with which God blesses us on a daily basis. The sunshine the rain, food to eat, water to drink, clothing on our backs, the means to be able to have comfortable housing, and all of the other myriad of blessings that we, in a lot of cases, just simply take for granted. All of that is here by God's grace. James, the, James wrote, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So do you have good things in your life? Sure you do. Now, are there some negatives? I'm sure there are. That's part of living in this world. But do you have any good things in your life? Of course you do. Those are blessings from God. And as such, they are demonstrations of his grace toward you. Was there grace in the Old Testament period of time? No question about that. When God prophesied the coming Savior in Genesis 3 and verse 15, after the man and the woman had sinned and thereby become sinners, they became sinners. When God prophesied of the coming Savior to pay the price of the guilt of their sins and the guilt of the sins of all humanity who would follow them, that was God's grace. And everything that we see from that point forward all the way through the rest of the Old Testament, those thousands of years, 
until the coming of Christ and his going to that cross and dying thereon to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, all of that was part of God's grace leading up to the coming of the Savior who would be the ultimate fulfillment and personification of God's grace. There was grace in the Old Testament. When we turn to Genesis chapter 6, we look at verse 8. Now when you look at the several verses preceding verse 8, leading up to it, in verse in verse 5 it tells us that mankind had almost exclusively become wicked absolutely wicked evil the verse says the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually what a horrible description of what man had become from a spiritual perspective sin prevailed in the life of humanity and we're not talking about pockets here and there around the globe we're not talking about individuals we're talking about every body a general statement the wickedness of man was great in the earth and every intent and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. But God decided that he would destroy the earth and all life upon the, that walked upon the face of the earth, including all of humanity, and thereby cleanse the earth of that wickedness. But there was an exception. Verse 8 says, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And we know the rest of the story, don't we? Through the family of Noah, eight precious souls, Noah, his wife, their three sons, and their wives, God spared humanity and gave mankind a second chance. There was grace. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Grace was there. So Christ did not bring something when it says in John 1 and verse 17, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He did not bring something that had not existed. Rather, he, in coming as God the Son, the Savior, the Christ, he came as the fulfillment of God's grace. We look a little bit further in the Genesis account. We turn to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. We look at verses 7 and 8. And what do we read there? We're talking about the murder of Abel by his brother Cain. 
and these were sons of Adam and Eve. How did God deal with Cain? In verses 7 and 8, God said, If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. You see, Cain had brought a sacrifice in worship to God that was not in keeping with God's instruction as to what kind of sacrifice he wanted Cain to offer to him. Abel, Cain's brother, on the other hand, did exactly what God had instructed, and he brought the, the appropriate sacrifice. Cain was really upset because God respected Abel and his sacrifice, but he did not respect Cain and his sacrifice. It was not what God told him to do. And so Cain is very upset, and God is counseling him here. If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, follow my instructions. Oh, this is law again, isn't it? <laughs> Spiritual law from God. Follow my instructions and you'll be accepted. But Cain, verse 8, But Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Now that's the first recorded scripture, uh, recorded murder in scripture. Cain murdered his brother. His own, his own brother. What was God's response? Well, let's drop down to verse 33. Or rather, not verse 33, but let's just read a little bit further here. And so, God said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he that is God said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your, from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you, a fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. And Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can stand. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive, a vagabond on the earth, and it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Therefore whoever kills Cain Vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. Now God could have destroyed Cain right there. God should have punished Cain with sudden death. Executed him right on the spot. Because of his sinfulness in murdering his brother Abel. But God, and I think we need to understand this, God gave Cain Another chance, he gave him an opportunity to continue on living on the earth, even though he was punishing him in various ways, but he gave him a chance to repent. That, I believe, we should understand as being God's grace. I don't think there's any question about that. 
When we look at Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and we want to read verses 7 and 8. Here we find the nation of Israel having been led to the border of the promised land. Now they'd spent about 40 years piddling around in the wilderness until they got their faith straight and the adult generations died off because of their lack of faith or their weak faith. But now we come and we see the nation poised at the eastern bank of the Jordan River ready to cross and then began to then begin to take the promised land the land that God had promised to them to their forefathers going all the way back to Abraham in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and we look at verses 7 and 8 and here and in this particular whole book Deuteronomy basically Moses is kind of giving them a synopsis of their history up until this point. In verses 7 and 8, we read this. What great nation is there that God, has so, that God has so near to it as the Lord our God is to us? For whatever reason we may call upon him. In other words, God is there. We can pray to him, whatever our needs might be. He goes on. What great nation is there that has such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? Oh, there's spiritual law there. Now, so Moses asks that question of the people. When we drop down to verse 33, we read as follows. Did any people ever hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire? He's talking about any other people than you, the Israelites, as you have heard and live? Or did God ever try to go and take for himself a nation from the midst of another nation? By trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. God basically brought the nation of Egypt to their knees so that they would let his people, the Israelites, go and be delivered from bondage. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord himself is God. There is none other besides him. Out of heaven he let you hear his voice, that he might instruct you. On earth he showed you his great fire, and you heard his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their descendants after them, and he brought them out of Egypt, brought you out of Egypt, with his presence and with his mighty power, driving out from before you nations greater and mightier than you to bring you in to give you their land as an inheritance as it is this day. We could go further. We could talk about how God clothed them during those 40 years in the wilderness so that their clothes did not wear out. We could talk about how he fed them daily through the wilderness wanderings. God's grace was present and exhibited 
before the nation of Israel during all of that time. Saying that grace and truth came by Jesus Christ does not mean there was not grace exhibited by God in Old Testament times. Again, Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of God's grace. Well, our time is up again, so we'll come back and pick up at this point next time and study a little bit further. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your kindness, your blessings. Father, help us to not just say or feel that we love you and appreciate your grace extended toward us, toward us. But Father, help us to be obedient to you, to be dedicated to you, to live not just before you, but for you, and thereby, by giving our lives back to you through Jesus Christ, show you in an active, living way how much we appreciate your grace. Praise be to your name, Father. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen.